Thank you for downloading the Pacific Rim Pro Wrestling Podcast, the podcast that takes you from Seattle to Tokyo at all points throughout history. A very special edition today, uh, 1988 to 2018, the 30th anniversary of the death of one of the most legendary wrestlers throughout anywhere in history, Frank Goodish, better known as Bruiser Brody. Coming up on the show, we are going to be talking to his widow, Barbara. And uh, we're going to talk to right now the man that uh, watched Bruiser Brody's career. And Fumi Saito, did you know Bruiser Brody? Yes, I had done a lot of interviews, yes. And uh, yes, um, well, it's like I couldn't say he was a buddy of mine or anything, you know, a lot older and also such a legendary figure that I was honored to sit down and do an interview and uh, yes i uh, uh recorded all his interviews in the cassette tapes the cassette audio tapes still exist we'll do something about that in the, in the near, near future but this episode will be very very special Whew, you know <laughs> this is exciting but uh, a little bit nervous i should be and now, it's been 30 years since I spoke with her. So. Now, that's what I wanted to talk about, because as we sent out this audio, we put a picture on it, and the picture is of you interviewing Barbara Goodish. Barbara. 30 yeah, years ago. summer of 1988. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, so here's a story. Um, I was yeah. at, as everybody knows, I was at the Cauliflower Alley Club in April and early May, and Fumi mm-hmm. and I uh, message each other on Facebook Messenger constantly. And Fumi's like, you know, while hey, you were can, there, yeah. Can can you get in touch with Barbara? And I was like, yeah, she'll probably be there. I'll, I'll see what I can do. And he was like, are you? Can you get in touch with Barbara? And I was like, well, I'm, I, we're in the middle of the banquet. Let me at the end of the banquet. Let me <laughs> let me uh, let me go and talk to her. Let me see what I can do. And then yeah. you sent that picture that everyone is now black seeing. and white old photo. Yeah, yeah, one of this a black and white photo of you and Barbara, and I walked up to her and, and I've met her before, so it's not like she knew me, but I reintroduced myself and she at least pretended to. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you, yeah that guy, and I asked her, <laughs> hey, do you remember Fumi Saito? And she remembered you, and then I showed her the picture, and oh my goodness gracious, we'll talk to her about it, but she loved that picture she showed it to diana hart i think she showed it to bruce hart as well but she was over the moon for that picture and she goes this made this made my whole my whole trip she loves that picture ah very good so before Uh, we bring up before we we bring up barbara just very quickly for those who don't know i mean bruiser brody was a legend in japan how how influential was bruiser brody well, Bruiser Brody is oh, a huge superstar, yeah? And also, he was one of the very few wrestlers in his prime time, worked for both all, Giant Bob's Old Japan Pro Wrestling and Antonio Inoki's New Japan Pro Wrestling. He went back and forth. He one of the very few wrestlers who've done that, including Stan Hansen, right? Under the Giant, and... Abdullah the Butcher, that's about it. And Brody in his prime, uh, he has switched from all Japan superstar to New Japan superstar. And he worked for Inoki for just a year and a half. Then and he went back to all Japan, for Baba's. And uh, it was very political. But uh, 
by doing so, he uh, made that dream match, you know, come to you know come true. And also, what was interesting was having a single match against Anthony Inoki back in 1985. Seven single matches, okay. Inoki, you would think Inoki would beat everybody, right? Every single American superstars, but having single six single match in one year. And Inoki did not beat him, but match took place. So we learned something about wrestling business. You know, a lot of people you know think it's just all work and everything's like all what the book and the scenario and all these things. You would think Inoki would beat him, right? But uh, Inoki never once beat Bruiser Brody in single match, but they still had good business. And uh, let the match happen that way. That tells you something about it. We learned a lot about wrestling by watching that, you know. And uh, I was fortunate, in, you know, I was lucky enough that I had a number, number of times I was able to sit down with Bruiser Brody and had two hours, three hour interview. Just him, he and I just sit down and just talked. And uh, yeah, scared a little bit, of course. <laughs> I was what 25 years old, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, he was huge, huge superstar. And the way he died is very, very shocking. And people talk about Bruiser Brody in Japan to this date. And this year is very special. It, it, it come July, it's going to be 30 years, you know. And uh, for younger generations of wrestling fans, not just in Japan, but throughout the world, people should learn more about Bruiser Brody and who he was and what he has done and what meant what he meant in wrestling history. Does that make any sense? People called him in Japan. His nickname, wasn't it the Intelligent Monster? Monster, yeah. <laughs> the Intelligent Monster. Yeah. Yeah, because he had this long, you know, just crazy looking hair and the crazy style of wrestling and everything else. And, uh, but the, when he's, you know, outside the ring, he put his hair ponytail and very quiet. When he sit down and do interviews with magazines and newspapers, sports pages, he's very quiet and intelligent, articulate. And it's just the gap between these two you know, almost two different characters in one person. And it was very fascinating. What do you think his most famous match is in Japan? What's the one that fans still talk about? Oh, uh, just like I said, that... Uh, um, Inoki? A single match Inoki is also a, also a internet, um, single match programs um against Dory Funk and Jumbo Tsuda single match international heavyweight title. Also Bruiser Brody and Stan Hansen as a tag team together, 1982, 1983, 1984, the most dominant tag team in history in Japanese wrestling. Yeah. So the the, the team of Brody and Stan Hansen went against the Funks. Baba and Jumbo, that uh, um, all the teams, you know, Holly Riss and Nick Bachwinkle together, or the Mill Maskers and Doskers together, or uh, pretty much everybody. And uh, they were the most dominant team. Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody, together. Think about that. 
in you know, their prime. Bruiser Brody had a reputation for um, not wanting to uh, do business a lot of the time, but not wanting to lose or look weak. And one of the big reasons was because he was such a legend and such a drawing card in Japan that he had to protect himself for, you know, his big paydays and his big matches in Japan. And oh, a lot of results from American matches are going to Japanese magazines. He didn't want that to be shown, you know, if he didn't anything else, you know. But uh, what we, what I was getting to was that, you know, now that the people more so than 1980s, people now really talk about the nature of wrestling business, you know, the finishes and the the way they book, and that uh, everybody openly talk about how wrestling business is done right but you would think you know if you don't know about wrestling business right right winning and losing no no big deal it was big deal for bruiser brody that he will not lose wrestling match that uh, even in japan he did not um get pinned one two three four like uh, seven straight years you know what i'm saying that guy does not lose match, but still they want to use you. It's still such a big, you know, such a big star. And, well, why uh, don't we do this? Why don't we uh, call yeah, yeah. Barbara Good? Please. And let's oh, get yeah, this is a very special guys... edition. Yes. Yeah. All right. Hang on just one second. We'll get Barbara Goodish. Yeah. This is I, great. Yeah. I cannot believe when, when Jim showed me that photo of you and me 30 yes. years ago, Boy, that just seems like yesterday. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a thirty. Yeah, thirty years sounds like a really long time, but I remember that day just like yesterday. And uh, we were, you and I were sitting in this Tokyo Bay hotel lobby, you know, nice marbled um, coffee shop. We sat down and did the interview. And uh, yes, that was that summer. And I was just talking to Jim that, you know, you were telling me that how, you know, Jeffrey came over and then uh, you were sort of like a skip in the Labor Day weekend, right? Wasn't it like that? Right, because it was, yeah, when when uh, Baba brought yeah. us over to Japan, it was Labor Weekend, that's right. Labor Day weekend, yes. I took Jeff out, yeah, I took Jeff out of school for a short time. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. he was already in school and we came over already. there. Uh-huh. And the Japanese people just treated us. You treated us. Everybody treated us so nice, you know, Is after it, everything oh. that had happened. And I so appreciated that I could see exactly what he experienced over there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes. So it was the beginning of his second grade year or third grade year? Was it like a, He was seven, though, then. Yeah, he was seven. I think it was his... Yeah, you're right. Boy, our memory gets a little... Uh, <laughs> over the years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but like the beginning was just September, so it was the beginning of school year, so he was start, starting his think, second or third grade. Second, you know? It would have to be second grade if I remember. It had to be remember. second grade. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it was five, six... Yes, it had to be second grade. Seventh grade, first week. And, uh, oh you know, you, yeah, because you, you were telling me that, uh, you know, um, Jeff go, go, you know, goes back to school and uh, he probably would be asked about his father. But after the Labor Day weekend, the thing gets busy and then 
and they, you know that, that he he can just go back to school and then you know start doing what he had to do you know was it like that I was because the school what what they did they called me and asked me if there was anything special that they could do because he'd lost his father you know yeah. over the school holidays and you know yeah. going back into school I don't think he went back to school to after we had come to Japan yeah so I had told them that if he could be in the same class as his best friend, because, you know, they yeah. change classes every year, and I know they put him in the class with his best friend to kind of make it a little easier so he had his friend with him when he uh, went back uh, into school after everything yeah. that had happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the school was really, was really nice because what it had been that Frank had been there just a couple of times because... Uh-huh. Once in a while, he'd be... Well, he wasn't home that much, as you know. He was in Japan mm-hmm. a lot. Right. And, uh, once in a while, I think just maybe two times, that they had had, like, a... Uh, the school would have a special thing, like a, a show-and-tell. Well, Jeff uh. was his dad for show-and-tell. And I, uh. I know that the, they were good because he tried to sit in the little, the, you know, the little chairs that they uh-huh. have in the school, and I know that the teachers were just, they just thought that that was just the best thing possible. And here, here was Jeff had his father a show and tell for the school. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, you know, yes, I yes. Just had, I just have a hard time, it's very hard believing that it's been 30 years. It's been 30 years yeah. since I sat down with you, and 30 years yeah. that everything happened. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. After yeah, after that, um, you were telling me that the, you were you know living living in San Antonio because San Antonio was your home. Correct. Yeah, yeah, we're in the hill country of San Antonio back in those days. I think a couple of the Japanese uh, companies had come over to the house, if I remember, back yeah. in those times. But, yeah. yeah, we're San San Antonio. Well, as I said, outside San Antonio, where we were living. And now, yeah. as I said, I've, I've come to Florida, where all old people go to retire. Ah, how many years have you been in Florida now? Since 1999. Oh, okay. Ah. So, so been, did Jeff finish? quite school? some time. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. And Does Jeff Je- now Jeffrey live yeah. in... Jeffrey live no, in Florida in also? Austin. No, he's in Austin. He's a Texas boy. He's in Austin, Texas, yeah. where he lives. Ah, and he's 37 now. I know. Can you believe that? <laughs> yeah. So he finished high school in San Antonio? He finished high school, and then he went to college in San Marcos, and then he ended up in Austin, and then oh. he... Uh, you know, so, and then he he traveled. He came down to Florida for a while, and then he went to South Carolina. But yeah. where did he end up? Back in Texas. Ah. Uh, and he's um, he's a professional of something. That uh, he, What does he do for a living? Well, it's really strange. He's, uh, you wouldn't believe this. He's a... He works in a company with his friend who yeah. uh, they window they window wash. Can you believe that? Oh, is that it? Ah, oh. because what happened when 
Yeah, when he yeah. came to Florida, he had to leave his job, and he had a friend that was looking after his apartment because he came down here for about three months and he kept his apartment. Well, his friend's uh, father owned this big window washing company in Texas and had given his son quite a portion of the company. Well, oh. Jeff goes back into Texas and his friend ends up in a car accident the next day and ends up in a wheelchair. So he couldn't work. So he asked Jeff if he would take over his uh you know, help him out with his uh, job and everything. And it somehow just ended up that that's where he still is. Ah, okay. So he he also owns part of the company now? No, I don't think so. He just, uh, he's way Took up over. there with the owner. Yeah. Ah, okay, okay. How often do you get to see him? I, I hope to do it once a year. I did see him last, I think it was last April or May. And I think yeah. he's coming down here probably probably before the end of the year. He'll come down to Florida. Yeah. And uh, I happened to get back up there because one of somebody was wanting to do a documentary on uh, Frank. So they yeah. took me into Austin which was really nice, so they took me there so I could visit him and they interviewed Jeff and everything. Ah, okay. So it has, hasn't come out yet, so it was uh, it was really, really nice that we got a chance to visit. Ah, okay. The, the documentary on uh, Frank? Documentary yeah, on doc Bruce Brody? Ah. Yeah, documentary on, uh, you know, Bruce Brody. Ah, okay. Television or the video video footage or uh, or lots of interviews. Sorry, what was that you said? Ah, um, documentary with Bruce Brody's you know old film and his life story. Is that it? Right. Yes, they they came to do a, a documentary on him. Correct. Ah. ah. And uh, then you, you, I'm sure that the, most of the documentary was by your interview then I th I think they interviewed a lot of a lot of the different people yeah if I remember I think uh, Mick Foley and ah. Tony Atlas and Dutch Mantala I think they were all interviewed for this documentary uh, yeah yeah <laughs> Tony Atlas and Dutch Mantel yeah I've done that and uh Mick Foley is a wrestler from like a next generation after Frank, but uh, right. Yeah, but yeah, a, Bobby, lot of, uh, a lot of these people. Yeah, a lot of these people knew Frank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, so Mick Foley seemed like a wrestler who watched. I mean, growing. You know, watched Brody so much growing up. And, uh, and yeah, correct. Yeah. And also, I can see the resemblance. You know, grow your hair long and, and the, <laughs> the working style. You know, and yeah, a lot of things. Yeah, the bits and pieces people always emulated Bruiser Brody over the years. You know, some people right. car carbon copied the Bruiser Brody wrestling hairstyle, the fur boots. Or even the kick to the face, a lot of things, you know, half, 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 you know, half, a lot half, of different that's things. That's great. Yeah, and yeah. No, but nobody, nobody 
he was an original. Oh God, yeah. Oh yes, to this day, and you know, it's I have to explain it to people how big Bruiser Brody was in Japan, and. Uh, the people who actually watched Bruiser Brody, it's 30 years later. See, I was, see, when I interviewed you, I was 26 years old. Now I'm 55, I mean 56. <laughs> you know, I was young too, you know. Gosh. Yeah. I started watching Bruiser Brody when I was in high school and you know, I wanted to be a wrestling magazine editor and uh, met you know, Brody while I was in Minnesota. And uh, and after 84, 85 on, there was, you know, time that uh, Frank was working for All Japan, then switched to New right. Japan and Antonio Inoki's, and two year, you know, big, you know, thing. And uh, then he switched back to Giant Baba, you know, until his very last tour. And there was, yeah, so many things going. And uh, um, we probably uh, he. Did he tell you a lot about wrestling at home then, or not really? When no, he well, he, yeah? he used to bring back the tapes from Japan. Ah, because he videos. really appreciated, yeah, he really appreciated the Japanese people and how he was treated over there. And he, he just wanted to give his fans the best night of their life ah, so yes. that they would remember. You know, he, he treated it as a business. It was a business to him, not just... And he never lost sight that, that this was the character, but he was also Frank Goodish, who was the father yes. Yes. and the husband. And yes. But then when he went there, he had the character, but he, he distinguished between the both. Mm. You know, and, you know, the, stra the strangest thing that I know he left a list legacy, which is very hard for me to, you know, because of everything that went down. But when yeah. I was in Vegas, this young gentleman who had wrestled, you know, the Cauliflower Alley Club. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, he had wrestled. They have a couple of nights of wrestling down there where the boys come and hope to be discovered. You know, the, the mm -hmm, young wrestlers mm -hmm. that are coming up. Mm -hmm. Well, this young gentleman came up to me. He was very respectful and he he uh, yeah. told me he'd read my book. He had watched all the YouTube interviews of Frank, mm -hmm. and he really admired his style. When I asked him his age, he was only 29 years old. He was not even born, born when Frank then. had passed. Ah, so yeah? that's the legacy he left, that people that weren't even born have been picking up on his, you know, because of the Internet, because because of technology. Yeah, and then the videotape, the video footage exists. Miles and Ex miles and hours and hours of Brody matches. Exactly, and I guess yeah. I've put them all on YouTube. So anybody no, yes. now that didn't even know about him have been watching his matches and have picked up on his style. Yeah, very original. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, Barbara, had you ever have you had you ever accompanied Frank to Japan prior to uh, prior to mm -hmm. his death? No, I no. hadn't. First time I went to Japan was when Giant Baba's company took me over to Japan for the memorial show. Now, what was your yeah. impression to to the reaction that you saw, and the respect you saw, <laughs> and the appreciation for for your husband? 
Well, it was absolutely incredible because he had always told me that, that you will never understand how I am treated in Japan because that's why he really enjoyed going over to Japan for the companies, for the fans, for the people, for the journalists, Fuji, yeah, for all the people he met over there. He said it is just so different. And when it, everything happened and the giant barber wanted me to go over there for the memorial show, I mm -hmm. took that opportunity, even though I was still kind of in shock, because I knew mm -hmm. that might be the only opportunity that I would go see how these people meant so much to him. And I actually went the same way he traveled. He went, you know, from here to Los Angeles and get on, uh, you know, Japan Airlines. And I did it the same way that he would have done it all those <laughs> years, just to experience what he thought and how he thought about Japan. Uh. Because as I said, he really, he really enjoyed the people. He really enjoyed going over there. He said he was just treated so well from everybody. That was so special. I, I was yeah, I was blessed to be able to experience what he experienced. Ah. So from from San Antonio to um yeah to LA first LA, JAL huh Japan Airlines That's right that's correct <laughs> Then went to Narita Airport Yeah Yeah first of all they wanted to take me from Houston to Japan I said well that's not the way he traveled I wanted to do the same route <laughs> ah. that he had traveled Ah Yeah then he did that five six seven times a year you know I know <laughs> yes, I know. So I knew exactly how it traveled. And then I think uh, Mrs. Barber uh, met me at the airport. And I'm so sorry to hear that she's just passed away, too. <laughs> Not even a month ago. Yes. Yeah. Right. I, I read that and I was very sorry to hear that because she treated they both. The company treated me so great. Ah, uh, yeah. And then, uh, it was good that uh, Jeffrey was able to come, you know, because um, Frank talked talk so much about his, my son, my family, my family, my son, you know, he really talked about, you know, his family to me too. So, yeah. Um, so you know, was, and that's yeah. why it's nice because you know they have a Bruiser Brody hardcore on Facebook. Hardcore? Oh, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Are you, yeah, and people are posting pictures from him in Japan and Stan Hansen and mm -hmm. Jimmy Snooker. And it's so incredible to see these pictures from Japan that aren't wrestling pictures, are just regular pictures from what they did in Japan. Yeah, go to Japanese izakaya bars or getting on a you know, train, a bullet train. Right. Yeah, and then uh, and Ribera. I mean, I I knew a Ribera Steakhouse. Yeah, yeah, now the Ribera Steakhouse is really famous. But actually, it was Bruiser Brody who discovered Ribera Steakhouse back in like in '82. It was just a oh. hole in the wall, uh, not even famous steakhouse. He when he was at some uh, Shinagawa Pacific Hotel or something, he got out of hotel and started walking around, get something to eat, right? Then he discovered 
Frank actually discovered the Rivera Steakhouse. It, it, that's the way it started. Now every single American wrestler who goes over to Japan, I have to go to Rivera Steakhouse. But it was actually Frank who found that little steakhouse when nobody wow, knew. Wow! So yeah. So he put it on the map back in those he, days. He put the it on the map. Yeah. It. Yes. Yeah, because the owner, owner of Rivera Steakhouse, oh, years and years ago, though, the owner of the original Rivera Steakhouse told me that story. So, so he was oh, a my gosh. Yeah, yeah. You didn't know Bruiser Brody discovered Rivera Steakhouse? Yes. It's no, I had no started. idea he discovered it and put it on yeah. the map. Yeah. Cause, um, so I remember uh, Rivera Steakhouse, so they yeah. would give him clothes to bring back. He had clothes yeah. for this Rivera Steakhouse. Yeah, now right. I see- even today, a, 30 years later, I see the wrestlers that go over Japan, they all do stuff from Ribera's Steakhouse. Yeah, because they, they want to go there because to prove that I had toured. I had I had Japan tour, and I've been there. And so it was a legacy, and it was actually not known story, but it was Frank walked around the neighborhood and he walked into the little Rivera Steakhouse and one night and it all that's how it all started isn't that interesting oh my goodness oh. yeah yeah because that um, is so interesting so you're telling okay, me I'm, 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 I'm so glad that you didn't know about this and now we shared this because it, it was Frank it was Bruiser Brody who discovered the restaurant and Frank wow. and Stan were the same way that the Telling American wrestlers who come over to Japan, get out of hotel and experience. Walk into restaurants, you don't even know where you are, but you just sit and talk to people. You you know, really actually experience Japan. And, so uh, if I ever go over to Japan, I'll be able to yeah. go to the Repair Steakhouse and maybe yes, get please. a free steak. Yeah. yeah, it's still there. You better, you better get a there. jacket. You need a Rivera Steakhouse <laughs> jacket. What? Why do you not have a jacket? If anyone has a jacket, it's, you should have a you jacket. Know what? It's, but it's a still. It's a cheap little satin jacket. You know, like I a windbreaker. Know, but it's a crime. It's a crime. Get this woman a satin jacket right now. Yeah. For oh me. yeah. Yeah, I'm writing this down. You need oh, to I'm do so that. Glad that. Yeah, because now that uh, you and I, we, we share this story here, now it's on podcast, so people can listen to it and pass on. Because I, I believe this is our role to, um, you know, we talk about Bruiser Brody. You know, they're just like, you you know, Barbara, you said about this 29-year-old young wrestler. See, uh, yes. It's 30 years later now. See, the people who actually watched... Bruiser Brody's matches, you know, as a teenager, they're getting a little older, you know what I'm saying? And right. uh, I was, yeah, I was like a 25 years old, and it's 30 years later. I'm getting a little older, <laughs> you know. I have to. I'm the one who has to tell. Go watch Bruiser Brody's video. And uh, actually, he was one of the very, very few wrestlers in his prime who worked for both Jan Baba's Old Japan and Antonio Inoki's New Japan. You know, two two biggest company, yeah. And uh, he was one of the very few wrestlers who had toured both company in his prime. Right, and yeah. I have a, a lot of the Japanese fans that I that have befriended me on Facebook. So yeah. I know yeah. that there's a lot. They, a lot of people still remember him in Japan. Oh, oh, still no, no, no. To this day, we talk about Bruiser Brody regularly. You know, mm. 
Yeah, to this day. And this year is very, very, very special because I couldn't believe this was like it was yes it was the july of 1988 yes it has been 30 years it doesn't seem like 30 years but it, it is really 30 years you know and uh who was you know there was there was a uh, some, some, i was talking to somebody remember that day when he, he heard that news on 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 the radio or something that morning what happened to bruiser brody mm -hmm. and he th this person was ninth grade this person was you know like a 12th grade this person was still in in, in high school or i was 20 years just like they bring back the, the very day's memory you know when they heard the news um that's that summer you know that i was there i was certain place you know the, everybody associate one morning when they heard Bruce Brody is passing the news on ra either radio or it was on the news over here in Japan. And also you see Tokyo Sports and other sports pages that you can pick up on the train stations. Um, people remember that day when they heard that news. I was in certain place. So they associate that memory. You know, does that make any sense? Yes, it, yeah, no, yes, it does because you know, when important things happen, people remember yeah. life. That was you know, the, when, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, when we have our spacecraft and the Challenger, you know, when it yeah, that up, day, people remember like where that. they're at. And you, yeah, you or, were in a certain place that day. Exactly. There's yeah. different 9-11. People remember where they were yes, that day. Something like that. Uh, like a little older people, like uh, J.F. Kennedy's day or something. Exactly. When people were there, uh -huh. yes, for that day, people people remember where they were, and it's like something that that they remember for like for me, Princess Diane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. The different the people that remember that on different days, and I know that it's. I still think about that, and it's thirty years this July, yes. and that you know that's hard to even fathom at that amount of time. It's. You know, it's a milestone when you think about 30 years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Ah, wow. Brody's uh, Memorial uh, Park is in San Antonio or, you know, his you know, cemetery? Is, is, is it in Texas or? No, he just kind of drifted. Uh, because, you know, I had him cremated when I brought him back from. Right, the right. No, oh. Yeah. There's no official plaque or anything like that because that's not what he was a free spirit. Yes, free spirit. Yeah, uh, he was uh, a. Oh, yes, it's I yes I've read your book. You know, like you and Larry Marisick co co you know co-authored the book. Yes, I read the book. Um, while Frank was you know still alive, he told you that he would you know go for cremation. Is that correct? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, so, so when I was in uh, Puerto Rico, it was very easy for me to make that decision because ah. he had talked about he had talked about that before. So I was very appreciative that I actually knew, you know, exactly what he wanted. Ah, so it was not very hard. So you knew. Yeah. I knew. Yeah. And a lot of people, even though he was young at the time that he passed, mm -hmm. he was a 
very smart businessman. He had everything, what he wanted way back in those days, which usually at that uh, age, people do not know or do not talk about those things. Uh, and how so that is the yeah. one thing. Yeah, it was very damn. Well, he, he was very smart. He was a very smart gentleman. Mm. Mm. You know, ah. so not that he was expecting anything to happen at that age. Oh, no. But, he, you know, that was just, you know, life Life can be a little strange and can throw you, as you know, you can be going on one path and then all of a sudden things will happen and you're actually going on another path. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. But as I said, it was just one of those, um, one of those, you know, things that happen that you hope mm-hmm. never happens. Oh, oh, no. And we were, he was 42 and we we all are, you know, older than he was and older now than he was then. It's, it's, he was so much, 42 years old though, right? That when you go back 42 years old, not that old, you know, you're still young, right? 42 right. years old. Right, N- not yeah. when we're as old as what we are now, 42 Yeah, yeah, like yeah. we are much older, yeah. <laughs> but the, he seemed <laughs> so mature, you know, mature and... Uh, you know, see, when I had had chances to sit down with him for interviews, he was like, you know, 39, 40, 41 years old, you know, turning 42. I was like really like 24, 24. He seemed much older and knew everything about life. You know what I'm saying? He probably didn't. Right. But, uh, yeah, he seemed so much mature. And, uh, yeah. Well, he kind of... He kind of knew exactly, you know, what he wanted. He'd planned. I mean, he'd already planned about life after wrestling because he knows that you never know, you know, because it can throw you a lot of curves. You might get injured or something. Mm -hmm. So he was already thinking about what would happen if something happened and he couldn't wrestle anymore. Right, right. And I'm sure you read that in, in the book, too. I mean, he was already thinking about starting, you know, something else. After mm-hmm. wrestling, so what was and his idea? And he would probably been successful. Yeah, he probably would have been successful. Well, we had had we had some property out on a river, and one of his uh-huh. things was, uh, you know, bringing out, uh, you know, misinformed youth to help uh-huh. the youth. You know, bring out to a, like a little, come out Good to the time. country and learn how to fish and. You know, do oh. things like that, and maybe give youth that don't have a chance a chance, because oh. when you're in a position, you can change. Sometimes it just takes a word or somebody that cares to change mm. a young a young man's life. Mm. And he was already thinking that he was at that, that point where mm-hmm. they looked up to him that maybe he could change the way that they think and put them on a different path. Uh, speaking of speaking of planning for the future with uh, with your husband, a lot of people have speculated that had he lived, 
he would have at some point in the not too distant future likely signed with Vince McMahon and the then WWF and had a run with Hulk Hogan and eventually, you know, just like all the uh, all the big bad heels did, you know, lose to Hogan, get the big payoff, and then, you know, maybe that even potentially could have been, you know, his swan song to, to lead to, to helping uh, disadvantaged youths like you talk about. Do you think he would have done that? Would he right. to, would he would he have gone to the WWF? You think and, and lost to Hulk Hogan as a as a final smart business decision to make the the big payoff? I we had though. talked. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't, please I don't go know ahead. Please go ahead. I don't know if he would have lost to Hogan, but I think he would have had some sort of run because he knew that the money was him and Hulk Hogan. Everybody uh, wanted to see that match. That would have been one of, well, Beauty and the Beast. That would have been one of the biggest money-making things. He had talked about it, but he knew that he didn't want to lose to Hulk. He didn't want to no. lose to, you know, that would not have been smart. He protected Japan. Japan was yeah. his number one market, and he would have done anything to protect the market in Japan. Yeah, losing Hulk Hogan in America and go in you know, all the photos and video goes to Japan, and he would not let that happen. No. I totally. This is what we had actually talked about. He knew yeah. that that was coming up because he'd been asked. I mean, you know, yes. the, w, well, the WWF at that point because he he. Vince Sr. used to call our house all the time. I mean, this is before answering machines, before cell phones. I mean, I yeah, talked yeah. to Vince Sr. several times. But then he knew that when Vince Sr. died and Vince yeah. Jr. took over, that the whole business was going to change, which, as yep. we know, it has. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he knew that that was the match with him to put Hogan over. But we talked about that because of the Japan connection. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. there was a plan. The initial, um, when today's Vince, uh, Vincent Kennedy, you know, McMahon took over the business, 1984, that would have happened. You know, and then uh, Frank himself told me um, in, in Japan that the going to Anthony Inoki's New Japan was part of that package too, that he would switch from Baba to. Inoki's New Japan, and at the same time, New Japan and WWE, WWF at the time had the business partnership that would send Bruiser Brody to Madison Square Garden and do the Hulk Hogan match. But uh, under the new WWE, you know that uh, setups. Mm-hmm. Bro, yeah, Bruiser Brody. You know, I, I wouldn't like it, but the, will become just another Hulk Hogan's opponent. That is not very good. I, I had the feeling that the Frank sensed it, that this yes. is not going to be very special. It's like there's going to be a Paul Orndorff or somebody like that, or Bruce Brody, then Roddy Piper. It's, 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 it would all line up and do this program. Uh-uh-uh. That the Bruiser Brody had to be treated very, very separately and special, and that's right. what Japan does. Yeah, and uh, no, that's probably why it didn't are, happen. Yeah, no, you are totally right in your assumption. 
Exactly, because he knew that he, if he went to New York with Hulk, that he would just be used, and he would be, yeah, he would, he would, they would use him for yeah, like a the program. Yeah, a yeah. program, and he he knew ahead of time. I mean, that that's what it would be. So yeah, we had talked about it several times. He talked several times about the Hulk. He he knew that was the match, but he knew. As we just talked about before, yeah, he would not concept. put Hulk over. Mm, mm. And, and also, then if he did get a match. He would probably, as you know, do his own finish, and then that would be another thing. <laughs> and that, that doesn't <laughs> that shouldn't happen in, in the WWE uh, environment, right? Right. So <laughs> everything exactly. yeah, very under control. Yeah. So, and also probably lose Japan deal at the same time. This is just not going to work that way. You know? No, because it's like I've said before. I know, I know I'm repeating myself occasionally. Mm -hmm. But no, Japan was number one. That was yeah. his number one priority at that time, was mm -hmm. to protect mm -hmm. Japan at all costs. Because everything that happened in the States went over to Japan, as you know. They were in the magazines, everything. He lost over here. It, it would have been in the every single magazine. Right away. Yes. And take yes, away okay. his popularity in Japan. And also, this is amazing because it was back in 1980s. There was no cell phone, like you said. Cell phone, no answering machine, no internet. But the, so no. the news would have traveled slower. But for wrestling news and information, that would travel pretty fast, you know? Oh, it would be back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was before internet, though, you know what I mean? <laughs> now well, it's we had fax yeah. machines. Remember the old days of fax machines? <laughs> it was a piece of paper. Oh, yeah, but uh, yeah. news, as far as wrestling news and even the little rumors, they traveled real fast. You know, people oh, talk no. about it. Somebody pick up a phone and start talking about it. Then it was like a message games, you know. Did you hear this? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? You know, so we, as a, the communication was more hand to hand, but it still traveled pretty fast, you know? Exactly, because we got, I mean, I, I think my son has hundreds of Japanese magazines that yeah. he would bring back from Japan. Well, every match in the States ended up in those Japanese magazines. <laughs> yeah, I guess I was part of that, too. So, yeah. Yeah, I bet. Well, you were a journalist, right? So you were yeah, part of yeah. that, too. Yeah, I get the, the color photos from America, you know, American photographers. I put it together in Japanese magazine. Mm -hmm. Week in, week out, week in, week out. Almost every day, was that's what I was doing. And uh, AWA News, NWA News, WWF News, or even... Uh, some independent from St. Louis or, you know, oh, of course, world-class Dallas, you know, all, all those followers in Japanese magazine every week. So Oh, yes. It, so yeah, he so was, was very aware of that. He so was he aware knew, of that. Ah, whatever yeah. happened in the States would go over there. So he, like I said, he protected whatever yes. he did in the States, he protected so that anything yeah. that's Every match he had in the Japanese magazine the next few days, it did not hurt him to the Japanese fans. Yeah, yeah, very informed, you know. And what was mm -hmm. still fast, fascinating even to, to, to this day is that, you know, now today, though, people, even wrestling 
wrestling fans, not just wrestling promoters and wrestlers, but like hardcore fans too. But people somewhat openly talk about nature of professional wrestling business. You know that, uh, mm-hmm. like you, you just said about his own finish, right? That uh, all right, there's a finish. That uh, it, it is not a you know the competition that uh, matches are produced and made. But uh, then you would think. Anthony Noki will be beating Bruiser Brody, right? You know, but right. Brody, yeah, because you decide who's going to win and who's going to lose, right? That's yeah. wrestling you business. Know, you know the business. Yeah, and then today's today's wrestling fan openly talk about those things. But at the same time, right, but there was a seven single match in one year against Antonio Inoki, you know, Inoki against Bruiser Brody in very important single matches, seven of them won in one year period, and Bruiser Brody did not lose one. How does that happen? You know, because right. yeah, people talk about winning and losing is all produced, and uh, Inoki's a boss, and Inoki's a promoter, and the most popular superstar in Japan, this and that. He would beat, you would think Inoki would you know, want to beat Bruiser Brody, right? But the match mm-hmm. took place, but it, that Brody must have said, uh-uh-uh, this is not how you do it. And then Inoki did not beat Bruiser Brody in, in his prime. And that's very hard to explain because you, they decide who's going to win and who's going to lose, right? And Brody said, no, I ain't doing it, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, that's you exactly. Say, he protected himself in Japan, too. <laughs> Did, Even in, with, you know, yeah, why you wild when you fan? But what it did, it produced uh, money yeah. because people would come to see because yeah. it was that unknown. So, mm-hmm. see, that's what it was all about was to bring the fans into the building and to make the building sell out and to make the people believe, which is what they, especially in Japan. I mean, I watched several, uh, you know, when he brought home tapes to, uh, you know, back to the house and would sit and watch the matches. They were good matches, the Japanese matches. I thought they were real. <laughs> they were, yeah, I yeah. mean, they were Not much so, talking. No, it was just yeah. all action. And it, and this is why, if you make the fans, the fans will think, and that's what he said. I want the fans to walk out the door and say, it's not fake. It's got to be real. Ah, because, that's very good. Yeah. You know, because yeah. of that fact is that to make them confused, they know it's unreal. They know it's a fake. But to make them think that, well, how can that be fake? It was seen so real. Yeah, yeah. So that was what was so special about this, you know. Bruiser Brody, you know, is, you believe in him. People say wrestling was fake, but I went to watch Bruiser Brody's match. I think it was real. So exactly. you said it was confused, but it was like a more of like a, yeah, yeah, that, uh, you drop all those, you know, things you thought you knew. It just watch what's happening in the ring and you be the judge kind of thing. Exactly, and of the confusion of the fans thinking, "Wow, what yeah. did we just see?" And that's why I have people on Facebook contacting me all the time about 
about watching his matches, and I'm talking about these are young people that were only young people when, you know, he passed. Do you mind if I call my firstborn son Brody or if I do this? And it's like, wow. Mm. You know, he actually mm-hmm. left such a legacy that mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. really amazing. And also, I... So you know, he would have been what the seventy-two now if he was here, but uh, I That's just right, cannot picture. Yeah, I cannot picture I him being seventy-two-year-old, all gray hair. He probably cut his hair. Yeah, maybe. June. Yeah, June the eighteenth was. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. so June the eighteenth coming up, seventy-two years old. Yeah, it's it's quite funny when you know, like you said, what you just said. Yeah, it'd be pretty hard to imagine, but then I. I see Stan all the time, Stan Hansen. He has been the one that has kept in touch with me for the last 30 years. And in fact, yes. I'll be seeing him in July. We have a the Lou Trez, you know, Hall mm-hmm. of Flame, the Dan, Dan Gable Lou mm. Trez Hall of Flame. Oh, you'll be there? Yeah. I'll be there. Yeah, Frank, uh, Frank is getting the, uh, is it the Frank Gulch Award. They're giving him an award this year. Ah. And uh, I just talked to Stan, I think it was last week, so he'll be there too. So, And I'm bringing his sister, uh, Frank's sister, Gail, is going to come to water, you know, Waterloo right? with me. Her, the uh-huh. older, oh, you know, yes, the older sister. Yeah, because so he has like three going, older sisters? No, he has one older sister and two younger. Two younger sisters, oh, but he was the only boy in the family. He was, the, yeah, he was the only boy in the family so so i think that would be good for you know his sister is going to come to see him you know get the award uh, uh-huh, and they're also uh-huh. giving i think owen hart is also being giving awards uh, at yes. uh, waterloo ah uh, yeah well well iowa yes yes that's wow, right that's... waterloo iowa yeah would 72 year old you know frank cut his hair you think after wrestling, he would have cut his hair, probably. That's a mystery. We yeah, don't know, mystery, do we? <laughs> yeah, I could, because that's like, you told me, you know, 30 years ago that uh, when he put his hair up in ponytail, that that's what you know what he does at home. As soon as you let the right. hair, you know, you know, go, that you become Bruiser Brody. Like you exactly. take him to the airport, San Antonio airport, and say, "Okay, well, I can see you there and have a good week." And he goes out to a tour someplace, you know. Then, uh, then he becomes Bruce Brody, you know. But uh, yeah, seventy. We're older than him now, but uh, it's hard to imagine him being seventy-two years old, you know, and because because he left this world with that visual. The prime time looking of Bruiser Brody, big, younger. He little bit. He started having gray hair in his beard, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know that was good too, because aging is very good thing. That the young people are afraid to get old, but uh, even Bruiser Brody start having little gray hair here and there. And uh, exactly. Yeah, and he's, he's changed his wrestling and went back to old Japan and uh, very last tour he had he had very memorable single match again with his favorite opponent Jumbo Tsuruda you know in the back of right. his yeah, yeah important single match with Antonio Inoki is very important and you know historical but I believe Frank's personal favorite opponent was rather Jumbo Tsuruda over Inoki 
Probably. I know, and it's sad that Jumbo has already, pa- you know, yes, yes, also yes. passed away. And mm-hmm. I, I'm in contact with a Jumbo son. Oh, you know, okay, yes, yes. And things too. Yes. So it's kind of you know because he'll put things on about his dad and Frank mm-hmm. and you know comment and send a little message back and forth. So uh, yeah, and it's funny. There's another another son. Yes, yes. What was it? What was it about Jumbo that uh, Frank that made uh, him Frank's favorite opponent? Because I think they worked similar, well yeah. together. Yeah, I, yeah, I and think they're the same age group too. Yeah, I, I think Jumbo was probably one of his favorite uh, opponents, and I think in the states, Ric Flair was his favorite opponent. They could oh, work okay. and go out there and give. I mean, he's gone out with Ric Flair and given one hour of solid wrestling, mm-hmm. whereas people mm-hmm. just think he's just a gimmick, whereas he can go out there and wrestle with these people mm-hmm. and give them. A, it wasn't just a gimmick. Mm, mm, mm. Wrestling match. Ah, yeah, that's these are the wrestling, you know, it's in the tape, it's in video, so people can go back and watch that one hour Ric Flair title match, you know, today. And, uh, right, yeah. and I was yeah. actually at that, I was actually at that match because there was, was I think, ah. Barber and Mrs. Barber was there at that. The, the one-hour wrestling match. I think we were in St. Louis, if I St. remember. St. Louis, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I met Mrs. Barber, and I met uh, Giant Barber there. Ah. Because I think the Japanese had come over to uh, mm-hmm, tape mm-hmm. it, if I remember. Yes, 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 it was taped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, all those things. Early 80s, but yeah, yeah. Did oh, Frank, wow. Did Frank ever have any regret for leaving Baba and going over to, to New Japan? Mm, I think so. He, I think he was he was quite happy to be back with uh, Baba where, after everything went down. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those things. He just, mm-hmm. you know, he just wanted to give the, you know, wanted to give the best he could. And, uh, yeah, I know that when he left, I mean, uh, he left and then, but then he got back and then everything was fine. Because yeah. he realized that uh, Giant Baba had a A1 organization. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, and he appreciated the way that, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm not saying he wasn't treated good with uh, mm-hmm. the okay. other one, but yeah, Noki, but I think with Giant Baba, it was just like a more like a family to him. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And of his, um, see, at the time in the course of the 1980s, Brody did not lose one match, one single match clean in Japan for a seven year period. And very last mm-hmm. tour he had with All Japan, he finally put Jumbo Tsuda over for one, two, three. And it was very shocking mm-hmm. too. Bruce Brody does not lose wrestling match one two three in the pinfall, but he was, I know. he yeah he allowed Jumbo Tsuda to take that role, and that was the very last tour he had with Japan. So I just yeah think he, he kind of knew that that it, it was time to give back. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. That was the time. Oh, because he was like, you had to have a reason, you know. And, and uh, yeah, because he had, you can't yeah. just keep. You have to make the other person look strong. I mean, there's there's a period of time that he knew he couldn't, but then he knew that there was going to be a right time. And when he put Jumbo over, that was the right time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Jumbo was the only person, probably. Right. Yeah, because uh, they. Uh, when Brody came back to old Japan, they made him international heavyweight champion right away. And he defended title in Japan. And he got the title from Jumbo Tsura and he defended the title for months. Then he finally put Jumbo over clean for the first time. And he ended up in the last time. I know, just, just, just the way that it worked out. Yeah, is so history strange or what? You know, just oh wow, and uh, he know, was going to come back. Yeah, he was going to come back for another tour in summer, if it you know didn't happen the way it happened. You know, and uh, I I know yeah. he had actually taken a little bit of time off because that was that was summer, and yeah. that was trying to spend a little time with Jeff because Jeff was at mm-hmm. that age. That he was, re- you know, what I mean. He was seven years old. You could talk to mm. him. They could do things together. Yeah, yeah. And that was part of it. Was to spend some time with his son. I'm glad that his son had that little bit of that summer together. That he does remember a couple of the things from that summer. Yeah. Which he would not have had that memory otherwise. Did Frank and you drove to Houston to go to uh, Astros baseball game or something that summer? No, me and Jeff had gone to that. That was after we went to Six Flags. We went oh, to Six the Flags. amusement park. Yeah, we went to the ah. amusement park in, uh, what was that, Fort Worth, I think? Dallas, Fort Worth? Was yeah. the Six Flags? Ah, okay. If I okay. remember. It's hard ah. to remember some of these things <laughs> yeah, there yeah was a, i think ago. there was yes. a six flags in dallas i'm not sure that it's there anymore uh, yeah it might be gone now but there was a six flags in dallas and i remember we went there and they they rode some of the rides together and jeff actually remembers in fact one of them i think it's in the book what was it the okay. tidal wave or something I take where it they back. went way, I take way. It back. six flags over texas is in arlington i think i was thinking of astro world which is closed that's in houston okay that wasn't okay. Houston. Yeah, okay. six flags yeah. over texas is in arlington so that's it there you go arlington texas yeah. uh, oh wow i know and they they rode this tidal wave here's his dad getting in a little trivia his dad really didn't like heights that much he didn't? went on this ride with his son, and they got stuck. The whole <laughs> ride got stuck when they were on the top of this, this huge looking up before they came down. And then it created a tidal wave. So it was one of these rides. So it was really funny. And Jeff does remember sitting up and, there in the tidal wave. It's not like the ride. That's no, it's, like, it's, like a, it's one of those water scary. rides, a shoot to shoot. Yeah. That uh, yeah, you go you around, down, you go, go up, up the ramp, high. you go around, and then you come right. down the big drop. And then on the secondary, you stand on the bridge and you get wet by the next people coming down. Right. That's and funny. 
and they got stuck up there and of course his dad and there's other people and there's whatever it is they drive up on and he's trying to be so cool and here he was <laughs> hating every minute off and here's all these people with him you know on the same ride he was afraid of height huh that was funny yeah <laughs> <laughs> Don't repeat that, but yeah, it doesn't matter now. But yeah, that was one of the that, few things. Oh, wow. And he had his ponytails on, right? He had his hair exactly. ponytail. Oh, yeah, he had to be. Oh, wow. And then the big guy got on the ride. Oh, my. Yeah, so you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Wow. Barbara, you still yeah. go. I mean, you, you've been to Cauliflower Alley many times. You've been to the relatively new Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame in, in Texas. You've talked about, obviously, go to the, the, the memorial shows in, in St. Louis and, and go to go to many, many wrestling wrestling events. Um, do, you, do you do that for, for yourself? Do you do that for, for his memory? Is it, is it something you enjoy? It's kind of, as you know... We all have different families. We have the motorcycle family. This is the mm. wrestling family. And like in, put it like this, like in Vegas, I'm, I'm sitting with the Cauliflower Alley and I appreciate they take me down. Mm. And I'm sitting there and I have J.J. Dillon on one side. Well, looking at J.J. Dillon on one side, Tony Guerrero on the other side. These are people that I met, what, 40, 40 years ago, 78, yeah. 40 years yeah. ago, when I was in Sydney, Australia. So I'm sitting there with people that I have known for 40 years. Ah. Wow. So it's it's kind of, it's like a family. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this. It's been 30 years with Fumi. What was your impression <laughs> in 1988 of a, what was it, 26-year-old Fumi Saito? No, don't talk about me. Well, we're going to talk about you, so too bad. <laughs> what was your impression of Fumi? Well, put it like that. Everybody treated me so kind that that's, I remember that everybody that interviewed me and some of the interviews were hard because they had to translate uh, but the ones that i could do i appreciate like I, well, I said before i appreciated all the kindness that, that all you journalists gave me when i was in japan yes yeah. and hopefully maybe you'll be over in the states at some yes. point too yes we'll i would love to be yes yeah, you should try to come over for the Waterloo. It's a very, okay. it's a great, and Stan Hansen will be there, and Jerry Briscoe, and a lot of the old, J.J. Dillon, and a lot of the old timers. Ah, wow. Yeah, it's good that you said it was wrestling family. Yes. And, uh, and then uh, we are, you know, this is our role to keep Bruiser Brody's legacy to next generation you know you know the, the more newer fans you know new people younger generation like you said the people who weren't even born he was when he was here and uh, we still have to remember Bruiser Brody right 
Exactly. And like I said, that showed it to me with this young gentleman, this 29-year-old gentleman that was telling me all about him, that it just shows you what a legacy he left. Yes. To this day, it's very big in Japan still. And uh, this is even very special. You know, I can't remember, but this is so hard. But... Uh, 30 years though 30 years and actually passed and uh, we are here and we are here to pass this legacy on to uh, you know to next group of people you know so you're telling me that as I I get that he's still very well remembered in Japan of course even right now at the moment Yes, of course, and this is especially this summer is the time that we we all have to you know sit down and talk about Bruiser Brody, you know, yeah, very special. Oh, not not other years are not special, but especially this year, yes. Well, as I said, I hope you can convey to all the mm-hmm. Japanese wrestling fans how much I appreciate them. Yes, yeah, I will tell. Yes, ah, yes, I, I will be telling. And then, and, and, uh, yeah, this, yeah, this, I, I believe this is my role to do so. You know, yes. And I appreciate you do, doing that. Yeah, I'm a professional wrestling fan, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you have been in journalism. You've you've been doing this from the thirty years that I first met yes. you. Yes, yeah, no, the, I was like a third, fourth year rookie then, but I, I've been doing this ever since. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, I've been following wrestling since I was three years old, so it's in my blood. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and uh, Bruce Brody was somebody I, I was fortunate enough to meet in person, and I was fortunate enough to sit down and, uh, you know, do the interview in his prime. And he let me into his you know, hotel room and sit down and, you know, and, you know, yeah, photographer would come in, but they take picture and leave, right? They left me and Bruce Brody, just us alone in hotel room. I got scared too a little bit, but... Uh, oh, he, <laughs> yeah, because, you, you know, just, you're sitting down with Bruce Brody. Yeah, but he was a Frank, but he was Bruce Brody and giving the interview and you write down what I say and you be careful what you write, you get in trouble, you get me in trouble or this and that, but uh, he was, you know, yeah, he, you know, he sat down and gave me stories, you know, stories with, you know, wrestlers, his history, Australia, WWF with, you know, his day. See, he was like, like a 20, 28 or so, right? When he went to Vince McMahon Sr.'s WWF, you know, WWE. And uh, there was a time right. he, was, he was also rookie once upon a time. And uh, as a matter of fact, until he went, in, uh, before he went to New York for Bruno San Martino match, he was still Frank the Hammer Goodish. He became Bruiser Brody in New York. And, uh, yeah, so he was young once upon a time. And uh, he gave me that story, you know. And, uh, I know, because I think it was Vince Sr. that gave him Vince the name. Vince Sr. gave him the name, and he became Bruiser Brody, you know. And, uh, yeah, so and, it's, it's a strong wow. history. Yeah. And, and then uh, what happened when he went to the Illinois Minnesota? 
Bruiserbury when he went down there when there was Dick the Bruiser. Dick the Bruiser. Yeah, they had, change, yeah, they had, yeah, had the King Kong Brody. King Kong. That's correct. Yeah, right. Yeah, because there was another Bruiser, you know, like a you know, different legacy and different time, different era. Yeah. And, and he did have match against Dick the Bruiser too. And so this is where, there was a link. And the, the older generations of superstar into Bruiser Brody's era of superstars. He did have matches with older guys like Dick the Bruiser and you know Bruno San Martino and other guys. And he did have match against people like the Funks, you know, Baba, right. Trump, yeah, Inoki. Then he uh, he was able to you know have matches with people that are younger than he was, you know. Right. Yeah, he was going to do so probably. You know, because he turned 40, 41, 42, you know. And I always wondered how he would have retired, you know. That, that he, he, he would have found something to do. I'm, uh, You know, there's no doubt in my mind. It, it was like, look look at Dari Funk. He still goes to Japan. Yeah, right, right. Not the same. <laughs> Yeah, not a, doesn't work like him. I mean, he used to, but the, he's the same person, just yeah. so much older. But uh, then Bruiser Brody's, you know, that he would have probably leave that ring while he was still Bruiser Brody. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And I think like Stan Hansen too. I mean, I know Stan yeah. once in a while goes over there, but he, he's Stan. He, you know, he goes over there at his age, right? Yeah, yeah. But he's not wrestling, you know? Exactly. This, yeah, this is so, it. Uh, he goes. And then, to, like I yeah, said, I, I really appreciate Stan and I appreciate his wife, Yumi. You know, like I said, yeah. they have been really, really good to me over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why I'm looking forward. I'm, you know, looking forward to seeing Stan again. Yeah, yeah he would, after... In the beginning, he would take Jeff. I would send Jeff down to Stan's house, and he would take him. Um, you know, look. You know, on, on, in the school holiday. Ah, ah, like uncle. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Ah. Wow. That's good. Very. Very good. Yeah, uh, the, the, please say hello to Jeffrey, and uh, I will. please tell him tell him that the Japanese wrestling fans and re- Japanese wrestling whole community will still um, we talk about and we have Bruiser Brody's memory and legacy still alive alive in Japan. I certainly will, and I'll ha- I'll tell you what it's been really enjoyable talking to you. That's for sure. Thank you. Yeah, I was I was so excited and I was a little bit nervous, but the, this technology that we're doing this Skype, you know, <laughs> party line that we were able to, you know, really speak in person and better yet, this is a podcast that the other wrestling fans will be able to listen to this now. And and uh, this is great. It's been 30 it's years in the making. Like- yeah, yeah. Yes, yes it has. And uh, I think 
like I said, when Jim came up to me in Vegas and showed me the picture, I went, oh, my goodness. <laughs> From 30 years ago, yeah. And you had a 1980s. Yeah, because you had the 1980s hairdo, too. Yeah, you know? tell me about it. <laughs> Different kind, you know, like a perm. Now that you look, your hair yeah. look a little bit more straight, you know, and you have glasses yep. on now. Yeah. Oh, oh, old age, you know how it is when you get old. <laughs> Yeah, but you still listen to country music and uh, you put the live music up on Facebook, you know, go to oh, like country so you, music place. Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, my goodness. So you watch my live broadcast. Yeah, I watch because it pops up on Facebook. I'm going to say, and, okay, well, Barbara Goodish is live on Facebook and the country music oh playing. My yeah, so God. I watched it. <laughs> Technology oh now. My. Goodness. Nine, yeah, 2018 now, you know. So, uh, so we're connected. I, this is great. I, I cannot believe you watch my live broadcast. <laughs> yeah, because he pops up on Facebook. I couldn't help but watch. You know, so, oh, I'm gonna watch this now. You know, this is technology. You know, How we're getting have I older. Missed I've missed this. I'm scrolling through your feed right now, Barbara. I've got to find this. Okay. Oh, yeah, we gotta down. find this, please. Yeah, it's 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 my friend Sam. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, the country music. It's country music. Yeah, he's a great musician. It's, it's, it's kind of different to me. It's like I don't listen to country music that much, but they, when it comes up, oh, I'm going to watch this because it's, it's not just picture. It's videotaped. You know? It's moving picture on you know your computer screen. You know, it's technology, you know? I think, uh, Fumi, I don't think you know this, and I think Barbara just maybe heard about it. I think I was standing near you when somebody yeah. told you about this in, in Las Vegas at Cauliflower Alley, but here in Seattle, there's a fairly popular morning disc jockey who's part of a, a rock station, Steve Miggs, and yeah. he has started oh, yes. he has started a band here in Seattle called Bruiser yeah. Brody. Mm. Exactly. Because really? really? I had, there was a gentleman in Las Vegas that had a Bruiser Brody shirt on, Christian his name was, well, he's a friend of the Steve that you are talking about. And he was telling me about the Bruiser Brody band. Oh, wow. Mm. So, yeah, and so, uh, I mean, honestly, if you're, if you're going to do an indie rock band, you've got a fairly famous person playing drums, at least, at least here in Seattle, and he's a big wrestling fan. Uh, WWE hooks him up with all of the events. He's always on Radio Row doing interviews, and always whenever WWE's in town, all these guys come in, and he knows New Japan, and he knows, he knows all the wrestling. So I'm sure if anybody is going to have a band named after Bruiser Brody, it seems very appropriate that Steve Miggs here in Seattle yeah. uh, has a band. And that's a great name for a band. Why didn't anyone think of that? Things seems like well, someone heard that before. Yeah. That's a good band name. Yeah. Yeah, and also so it makes, yeah, Bruiser Brody's legacy that yeah. much bigger because he was not in WWE Puck, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, individually special that he was never in that part of that group, you know? So uh, It's I, unbelievable that, what, Jim, you're in Seattle, Yumi, you're in Tokyo, I'm in yeah. Florida, and it just feels <laughs> like we're next door. Ah, that's... <laughs> Um, oh, this is this is the greatest greatest thing. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much. And um, you I'm are quite uh, welcome. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna write about this now, and uh, yeah, I'll put it in Japanese wrestling magazine now.
And can you send me a copy or yes, or yes, I will. A link to a copy. Yeah, yeah, that I will send the physical magazine to you. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that that would yeah. be great. And keep in touch because I know we're Facebook friends too. So just yes, keep in yes. touch with me. Thank you very much. Yeah, Barbara, yeah. this is oh, been you're quite. This has been amazing. Quite welcome. Um, we have learned so much, and I'm sure that you're going to be very busy and doing a, a lot of interviews uh, this year, but I, and I'm sure many of them will be very good, but I think you'd be hard-pressed to find one probably as personal and intimate as the one we've, we've had with you because of your relationship with Fumi. So thank you for, for sharing what you shared. Uh, I'm overwhelmed with everything. Uh, Fumi has been like a child on Christmas. I, I will tell you that <laughs> to talk to you. Um, if he had a choice to go to the royal wedding or talk to you, you hands down. Um, he has been so excited. So thank you for making this happen. Uh, you've, been a, you've been a delight. Thank you for everything. Well, thank, thank both of you. I have really enjoyed and I've enjoyed after 30 years. And Jim, I enjoyed yes. seeing you in Vegas. And I really appreciate you. And I've, I've totally enjoyed talking to the but yeah, Fumi, I've enjoyed talking to you and enjoyed yes, talking to you. Thank you very much. Jim. Thank you so much thank indeed. You, and stay in touch. Yes, yes, I will. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye for now. Bye, Barbara. Yes. Well, what do you think, Fumi? It was good. I thought Very it was excited. fantastic. Uh, we're, we're still recording, yes. just so you just so you know. We're still we got to wrap up the show here, but I thought that was fantastic. Yes, and I hope people know this is very fortunate that we are able to share this with as many people. Yeah, and, we'll be sure. Yeah. We'll be sure to share this. Share this if you can with as many people because, like I said, you're not going to find a special interview about uh, Bruiser Brody with with Barbara. You know, she's going to talk to a lot of people, I'm sure. But yes, uh, this information that uh, you guys talked about and the special bond that you have and the bond that Bruiser Brody still has to this day. With uh, yeah. the Japanese wrestling fans and the Japanese public in, in so general, special. So very special. special. And I think that sort of communicated it. Um, yeah. Where can people connect with you on social? Um, on Twitter, Fumihiko Dayo, F-U-M-I-H-I-K-O-D-A-Y-O, Fumihiko, or, or Fumisaito on Facebook. Please find me. And you can find me, Jim Valley, on Facebook, or find me at uh, Jim Valley on Twitter. Well, I am uh, off to Mexico, so we may not have a show next week, but we'll do one as soon as I get back, I promise, but this should uh, last you a while, so be sure to share this with with as many people as possible. So, until next time. So long from Tokyo.